Good morning, friends. I am very nervous. Um, so uh, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and inhabit our hearts and our minds right now. Help us to surrender ourselves so we can receive from you this morning. We ask that you would change us today because we have encountered the living God. We love you. Jesus, we thank you for surrendering yourself to the Father's will. Thank you for loving us that much. Be glorified in our time together this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm really nervous because this is uh, my first time ever doing this. So please bear with me. Um, I pray that whatever I say today will serve as a reminder and an invitation. But I can bet that um, anything you guys hear today about love is nothing new. You've heard it many times before. All the sermons that you've heard about love. Again, this is a reminder and an invitation. And I do pray that if I am off, whatever I say will just fall on deaf ears. (laughs) Um... So let's get into it. Um, oh. All right. So the many sermons that we've heard over the years about love, I'm sure we try to do our best to practice it, right? When we go home, we're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Right? Sometimes? Sometimes. <laughs> but um, to be honest, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, and that's okay. So... I have rare moments where I have good days. And in those good days, I'm always in so much awe and just complete surprise that God did something because I'm a Debbie Downer, I think, and I I tend to focus on the negative things. And so when God does something amazing, I'm just like, whoa, what did you just do? That was amazing. Thank you. And that's just something that God's been teaching me to stop and say thank you and praise him for those moments that I have a hard time seeing. And I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit helps us with that. And in those rare moments where I have those good days, that's where I feel seen by God. I feel that he sees me. And I don't know about you, but I have been learning to name things. So when I see those good moments, I name them so I can remember them. And God is helping me kind of order my thoughts and order my mind because it is such a mess up here, always. And so he's also, so he's teaching me that to just order my thoughts, celebrate the moments, and because the bad ones will come. (laughs) But so um, this week, Scott asked me what I thought the most important thing about love is. I didn't hesitate, but it took me a moment. I had to take a deep breath because I've been working really, really hard, and it's been so very painful, this journey to get to this point where I can say without a shadow of a doubt that I believe this truth, that God loves me. It has been hard. But I know, I know that deeply now, like I know it. And I'm, again, celebrating that, and I'm so grateful for it. So what's the most important thing for me about love is to be seen, to be known, and to be accepted. 
Don't we all want that? We want to be seen and known and accepted for the hot mess that we are in the moment, right? Those are the moments where we want to be accepted, not the moments where we're awesome because we're being so awesome. But in those moments that are messy, like God accepts us. And that, that to me, it took me a long time to get to that point, point to be able to articulate it, to be able to say, God, you see me, you know me, and yet you still accept me. That is what's most important to me about love, is that I am seen, I am known, and I am accepted. So the God that accepts us, sees us, knows us, the very atoms that he created and commands to hold us together. He knows our most inner thoughts. He knows our fears, our joys, our motives, how we act in traffic. I don't know about you guys. My kids will not say anything right now. Will we murmur under our breath? How we give in private. How we feel when people... How we feel about certain people, what we say in our hearts and what we say out loud when someone messes with our hard work, right? The list goes on. Can you fathom in that moment, in that situation, we have those thoughts and you're a hot mess, the enemy starts whispering in your ear and all the shame that you're feeling? I know I do. I feel all the shame, all sorts of shame. And yet, God and his vast his perfect, his never-ending, never-changing, abiding love accepts us as we are, as we are. I'm always blown away by that, that truth. In John 14, 26, Jesus promised us something. Here's what he says. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So in his love for us, he sends us the helper. Praise Jesus. The Holy Spirit guides our hearts. He reorients us. He reorients our thoughts, which is important for me because I am always all over the place. And I'm so grateful for that. He points us back to God's love. And In those moments when you're in traffic, having a bad day, whatever it is, in those moments, it is so important when the Holy Spirit comes to remind us, maybe we need to let things go. Maybe we need to forgive. Maybe we need to show some grace. Maybe we need to show some mercy. Maybe we should rejoice. Be patient. Maybe be gentle. Whatever it is that you need in that moment, he is sufficient to supply it, isn't he? Haven't we experienced that? Amen. This, I believe, is the work that God is inviting us all into. To abide in that truth that he loves us. To share it. So to live it out in word and deed. We, will we do it perfectly? Can you raise your hands if you do it perfectly? I can't. I know I haven't and I won't. I won't. We won't, and that's okay. We're finite. We have limitations, but God knows that. So it's okay that we don't do things well. But every time we say yes to the work, every time we say yes to the work, we must first surrender ourselves to accept the work. We can't serve ourselves and serve God, right? We're not multitaskers. We're going to 
do two things really poorly, right? We, we could do one thing well. I believe it's tr research has shown us that. Jen and I have talked about this. <laughs> so to do things well, we get to focus on God and what task he's given to us. That means that we must surrender whatever task we came with, whatever we want to do, right? So, so in that, we surrender ourselves and we say yes to God. <clears throat> so the work, I think everyone knows here what I mean by work, right? That's soul work, that's saying no to yourself and doing the hard things. Because work is hard, right? It will hurt. It will suck at times. And we will fail a lot, right? Because it's work. It's new. You're not going to know what you're going to do all the time. But God, in his great design, I believe this is where growth happens. I'm willing to be wrong, but I think that our failures is fertile soil that God cultivates in our lives to bring forth growth and life. I mean, we've all lived through a lot of hard things. Isn't that where growth happens? I mean, do you just kind of like breeze through life and everything's just good? Like, no, like there's pain and that pain brings forth work and that work brings forth life. And I think that's a beautiful design that God has, has put together for us to experience as people. Because that puts us in a place where we say, God, I need you. I'm in pain. I need you. I am a mess. I need you. I am confused. I need your truth. We are constantly, should be in a place where we need God. And that's, that's where, when we're in pain, we need God. When we're a mess, when we're confused, God is who we should go to. And he sustains us when we ask, right? So I think maybe we need to do some work in asking God to give us new perspectives on our failures and shortcomings. Maybe we need eyes, new eyes, to see how he truly sees. The Holy Spirit brought this verse to mind when I was writing this. 2 Timothy 4.7 says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So let, us, let this encourage us. Let us keep going, keep fighting, keep trusting. That's, that's God's grace. And it is sufficient, is it not? Mm -hmm. In all our insufficiencies, in all our mistakes and shortcomings, he is sufficient. And he, and he says that his power is made perfect in our weakness. Not our strengths, but our weakness. When we humble ourselves, and I think sometimes when we don't humble ourselves, God does the humbling, and that hurts more. Right? Is that amen? That hurts more. That hurts way more. So friends, remember that God is faithful. When we are weary, God is good. When we don't think so, or even feel it, because that doesn't matter, that we don't feel it. He's good no matter what. He is faithful no matter what. We worship a God who brings life from death, who promises beauty for ashes. He surrendered himself to be clothed in flesh. Isn't that why we celebrate Christmas? To celebrate this God who clothed himself in flesh. He lived a perfect life 
In perfect obedience to God the Father, Jesus was tortured. He was nailed to a cross. He died. He didn't say dead. He rose in victory. Amen. On the third day, conquering Satan, sin, and death. Thank you, Jesus, once and for all. And that's why we can stand here today. This is the work that was set out before Jesus, and he accepted it. His acceptance, his yes, was the ultimate act of love for us, every single one of us, and for the babies that are not, not here yet. That, that is, that's just crazy. That is the ultimate love, ultimate act of love. And if you've ever tasted this love, I bet you can give a hearty amen, right? Amen. Yes, amen. Hearty. hearty. Amen. This is why I find comfort in Romans 5. And it says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were a mess, he died for us. When we were not trusting well, he died for us. When we had no faith, he died for us. When we were not desiring him, he died for us. We're worth it, right? God, in sending Jesus, says, I love you. You are worth it. You are a mess. And that's why I came. That's why I came. Isn't that great news? That is great news. Thank you, Jesus. And as I was writing this, this truth, like, welled up in me. Like, just awe and wonder and affections for God. I just... This, this God who is the perfecter and, and the creator of love. I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't describe that feeling. I just, of course, I naturally just cried. I just like a lot of times when I am in awe in, in worship and affections for God, I just cry. Like my tears are worshiping God. They, they, they are the fragrant offering of my worship. And my kids will tell you, mom, they said to me, mom, are you going to cry the whole time you're up there? Because you're going to talk about Jesus. <laughs> so, well, I'm going to try not to cry. <laughs> so, but this love, it's, it's incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. We can't understand God's love. We love one another, but even our love for one another falls short to the love that God has for us, right? Like, so short. And I think that should encourage us. Like, we're trying our best, and we still fall short, and it's okay. Like, God's love is so much bigger than anything we can ever give, right? It's just crazy to me. Let me find my time. So this is God's love, a love that is bigger than anything we can understand, anything we can touch, see, feel. It's just, it's big. So can we surrender today our plans, our desires, our thoughts, our feelings to make room to avail ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit. This personal work of changing and growing is work that no one else can do for us. It's our personal work. God might send people alongside us to help us, but the work, that internal work, it's ours alone. God can see our thoughts in our hearts. No one else can. They can encourage you, but they can't read your heart. They don't know your motives, but, but God, God can And you do. So you have to do the work. No one can do it for you. You have to choose God every day. You have to choose the hard things. It's hard. It sucks. It hurts. But that's, again, that's where growth happens. That's where life happens. 
And God is so good that he will always provide all that we need to grow, right? We've all grown in our own ways. He has given us tools along the way. I bet there are times where we can remember rejecting the tools that God's given us. I know I have. And that's why he's still working on me because I got to go back to get those tools. But again, it's our choice. That growth is our choice. We have to accept the help that God wants to give us or we can reject it. God is a gentleman. He is, he's not going to force himself on you. He's going to invite you in, but it's your choice to step on into the door. So step on in, friends. Taste and see the love of your God. So I would be in trouble if I didn't say that it was someone's birthday today. So Josiah, happy birthday, buddy. We love you so much. You add so much joy to our lives. And I want you to know that God has used you to challenge me in many ways, to grow me, but also to bring healing into my life. He has used you to stir up affections for God, to use you. I love you. So when I was pregnant with Josiah, I heard a voice one day, and it said, I'm going to bring your son home for Christmas. I thought, it's not due until the second week of January, but okay. So I knew it was God's voice. I heard his voice many times before, and it was clear as day. So naturally, I asked friends to pray with me. Hey, God told me, and how many times have I said that in my life? God told me that he's going to do this thing. Please pray with me, and let's just wait to see what God does. So that's what I did. I invited friends to pray with me, and we waited to see what God would do. And so um, I brought Josiah home Christmas Day in 2004, or 2012. Christmas morning, I brought him home. And again, I heard that voice. I have brought your son home for Christmas. So naturally, I burst out in tears because that's how I worship. It was, it was such, it's indescribable. You hear this voice and you hear it again in this promise that was made, in this promise that is now you're living in. And what do you do but worship, right? You, you, your heart, the Holy Spirit just stirs up and you worship. And in that moment, I felt seen. I felt seen by God. I felt known and I grew a little in that moment in my knowledge of his love for me. Because I was still learning. I was still learning to accept it then. I was a young mom, lots going on, a busy, busy, busy life. Hadassah, you know, had her G-tube and all the other things. So much going on at that time in life. So I couldn't even begin to put into words what God was doing in my life at that time. Because I didn't have the words then. God was so patient in pursuing my heart. He wanted me to see and accept his love that I can see today. I couldn't see back then. His deep abiding love for us, for me, for you, his never ending, he's relentless in his love. He pursues and pursues. His love never changes. Even if we feel like he's not there in certain moments, his love for us doesn't change. He's there. Just because we don't feel it doesn't mean it's not there. So this is the love of the Father. Jesus showed love to us because God first loved him. And he was 
mirroring that for us. So knowing God's love is one thing, but accepting it is a whole nother thing. It's this deeper knowing. It's a life lived. It's really a lifelong journey, right, of choosing day in and day out, moment by moment, that I'm going to believe right now that God loves me, even though it sucks, even though I can't see it even though I don't want to see it. I think that's the hardest one is when we don't want to see it, but we're going to choose it anyway. I think God honors that obedience. There's many times in my life where I didn't want to do something, but I just felt like I had to be obedient. Just be obedient to that love. And so in that knowledge, we get to be obedient in God's, in God's love. Um, so back to Josiah's story. Um, in John 21, 25, this, the ending of John, um, it says this. Now, there also, now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Where every one of them be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that could be written. I think we can say the same thing about Jesus' love, his God's love. We can't contain it. There's just too many acts of love to contain it. It's too vast. It's, it's, it's so big. There's no word that can describe it. I have one more story. Please bear with me, and I'll stop. So when, when we lived in Texas, I encountered God in a way that I am still in awe of today. And um, this, is, this was Scott's idea. So... He has always been my biggest encourager. He always champions my, my health, my spiritual health, my physical health, my mental health. He is the biggest champion of that. And he, is, he, is my, he encourages me all the time to, to go. And I'm so grateful for that. Thank you, babe. I love you. So this was the first time I could remember taking the time for myself to sit before Jesus in a very intentional way. Um, before kids... I didn't even have that type of time anyway, but definitely after kids, there was no time and I was, I was drowning. So, and we had just moved to Texas and, but sitting before Jesus in a very intentional way was new to me. I was still learning. I was still learning what it looked like to walk with Jesus. I was still learning what it looked like to, to listen to him, to read his word for myself, for myself, to do the work for myself. So, this was, this was new. And so naturally it was awkward and, and I just felt like I didn't know what to do. And so I remember going to a local coffee shop there Friday afternoons when Hadassah and Josiah would nap. And so I would sit there, order my iced coffee because Texas, Arizona, right? You need your iced coffees. I'd sit there. I would start journaling my prayers. I would read my Bible just trying to figure out, like, what does this thing look like? How, how do I do this? And I did it, I don't know for how long, but I sat there one day, and I was waiting, and I heard this voice, and it asked me, do you trust me? And I, and I knew it was the Lord, because, again, I've heard this voice many times before, and naturally I answered, yes, Lord, I trust you. The following Friday, same question, do you trust me? And I'm thinking, yes, Lord, I do. 
And this must have happened three or four Fridays in a row. And I just remember thinking, am I, am I supposed to do something else? I, what is, why does he keep asking me the same question? And I'm giving him the answer, I'm supposed to. I trust you, Lord. I'm supposed to. I didn't know it then that just because we trust him and we love him doesn't mean that we can't be honest with him. Right? We're Christians. We're supposed to love God. We're supposed to say so. And that was where I was. That was where I was. And so naturally I said, yes, Lord, I do. Then I did something unexpected. I had the courage to ask God a question. And I asked him, why are you asking me this? His reply, do you trust me? Something happened in that moment. I gave myself to be, I gave myself permission to be honest, to be vulnerable. Again, very new, very scary. And I just simply let God have it, I guess. I said, no, I don't trust you. I don't know what you're doing right now. I don't know why we're in Texas. Life has been so hard and it just got harder. I am lonely here. I, so no, I don't trust you right now. Not at all. I will never forget his response to me. He just simply gently said, I know you don't trust me, but I need you to know that. You need to know that. I needed to know that. I needed to know that I didn't trust God. What? Do I didn't know that I needed to know. I thought that I just had to trust God and it'd be fine. I didn't know that I can be honest with what I was thinking and feeling. I didn't know. So then I started to ugly cry because that's what I do when I worship. I ugly cried in the corner of a coffee shop by myself, looking like a weirdo. And I just, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, you can laugh. I was ugly crying. But I couldn't believe it. God saw me. He saw me in that moment. He knew my weary, fearful heart and still accepted me. I was untrusting of him, and he still accepted me. His love, his pursuit of my heart, his pursuit was was gentle. It was patient. His love, again, is just incomprehensible. God is a gentleman. He does not force his love on us. He invites us. He's patient. I was blown away. This was new to me. This was new. The way God was loving me was so new to me. So in this moment, I know for a fact that this was the moment that my personal journey of my spiritual, my spiritual journey really started because I was able to be honest, not with God, but myself. I was able to be honest with myself because God already knows our hearts. He already knows what we're thinking, right? But we have to do the work of being honest with ourselves. I had to surrender what I thought I knew, what I was taught, what, I was, what was expected of me. And I had, I had to surrender all those things to be able to accept the work that God had set before me that day. 
of being honest, of being vulnerable, of being truthful with myself. And I think in that, I can see God clearer when I'm able to be clear with me, with myself. I had no idea where this yes was taking me that day, but it was a yes. How could you say no in that moment? (laughs) So our work changes over time. Our work changes because our life changes, because we change, right? We change as people. If we were still the person we are today, or excuse me, 10 years ago today, that would suck, right? I mean, <laughs> that means that we haven't changed. And change, change is good. Change is good. So, some work changes, right? But some work stays the same because it is work that we will chip away at for the rest of our lives, right? Betty, I bet you know, mom, you know, right? Some work you just chip away at until you see Jesus face to face. And that work is yours. That work is mine. That work is yours, Hadassah. That work is ours to chip away at until we see our Savior face to face. And that's okay. I'm still learning to surrender today. He is inviting us into his love. A real, honest relationship. Love. Okay? That is not counterfeit love that the world gives us. We don't love. I think love gets overused. Oh, I love that. And I love this. And I love that. And it's like, No, you don't really love that chair or that outfit. You just enjoy it, right? It's not love. Love is not something that you can say about an outfit. Sorry. (laughs) Maybe about food. (laughs) There's my idol. Um, There's my idol. So this, this work that God's inviting us into, okay, it is a lot of hard work. It is the work of being honest. It is the work of being vulnerable. It is the work, again, of being vulnerable with yourself, with oneself. It is hard to look in the mirror and see things that you might not want to see, feel things that you may not want to feel. But that's the hard work that God's inviting us into, right? To peel back those layers and take a good look, sit with him, see what he says about it. What is it that we need to do maybe about this thing that hurts and is festering? I don't know. But for me, all that work was really, really hard. And I was so grateful in those, in those moments and in, in, on the path in this journey, I've had people that God would bring, random people and also people that were already in my life to come and help, help me name things, help me process things, just talk, just talk it out. Whatever it is, however you work, the work that you're doing, God is again faithful to give you the tools that you need, maybe those tools are people, maybe those tools are sermons, maybe those tools are books, you know, whatever it is that works for you. So, again, it is the work that we get to do on our own with God. So each one of us, we're invited into God's love. We are invited into his love every day. The knowledge of God's love is not enough. We have to accept it, too. Again, it is work. We don't have to do it right away. But the acceptance of God's love is also the work. We can't just walk around with the knowledge of it and not have it compel us to action. It has to compel us to action. The love that Jesus had for us compelled him to action. Right? So Jesus' sacrifice 
What's our sacrifice? What is, what is our sacrifice? I can't answer that for you. That's, that's for you to figure out. But let God's love compel you. Let that action change your life. As we surrender to Jesus, moment by moment, day by day, he is faithful. He will lead us into acts of love. He will lead us into acts of love. John 11, 1 John 4, 11 through 12 says this. Beloved, if, ye, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, his, God's love, or excuse me, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. It is perfected in us. Crazy, right? Because we always think perfection, but like this is God's love perfected as the work that perfects in us. He is so good. Our acts of love for one another, that love is perfected in us when we continue to practice it. So beloved, God loves you. Remember that. Know that. Feel that. Practice sitting under that. Let this knowledge change us, compel us, propel us to more acts of love. Let's pray. Abba, Father, thank you for inviting us into your work. Thank you for loving us in all the ways that you do. What we see, what we don't see, God, you're always at work. Your love is always at work. Father, what is the work that you're inviting us into? What is the Holy Spirit relentlessly pursuing us about, for, to accept? Will you clear the path for us? We need your help. In your mercy, give us the courage to surrender today. Lord, you know this is hard. You know it's hard. So please help us. The thought of the uncertain things that comes with saying yes is uncomfortable. But God, we belong to Christ. And because of that, we have nothing to fear. You tell us that you will be with us even to the end of the ages. I pray that you will give us the courage to accept your invitation today to a deeper knowing of your great love for us. And may that compel us to love others. In Jesus' name, amen.